Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today I have an exciting edition of the Creanitators podcast interview series where I have the uh, nearly the entire creative team of I Walk With Monsters. I'm joined today by Paul Cornell, Sally Cantorino, and Durbla Kelly. Uh, I'm very excited to have this whole creative unit of one of Comic Book Herald's picks, for uh, Best New Graphic Novel, Best New Comic Series of 2021. So we're going to be talking about the Vault Publishing released I Walk With Monsters. All issues are currently available and uh, and definitely recommend people check this out. But we're going to get deep. For those of you who have not read the work, um, I'm going to try to generally avoid spoilers, but we are going to be talking about this series in a fair amount of depth. So my recommendation, as with basically all of these, would be read the work. It's really good. And then uh, come back and, and listen up to what uh, what the team has to say about it. So thanks, everyone, for joining. I want to start with a question for uh, Sally and, and Durbla. Let's start with you, Sally. One of the things that definitely hooked me first with I Walk With Monsters was the monster design. Uh, it is not a traditional monster horror comic necessarily, and we'll talk about that. But how do you determine the visuals for the designs of these monsters because they were very, very appealing and they very much pull you in, I think, early. Well, when we first started working on I Walk With Monsters, um, Adrian and Paul came to me with, you know, the outline, I think maybe the first script, and we talked about the monster design and what we were looking for, what they were looking for, what I needed to design. And Paul was very clear from the beginning that we weren't drawing a traditional like werewolf. It what it's not a wolf. It's not a werewolf. It doesn't have that cultural baggage that comes with werewolf stories. Um, it's more of a shapeshifter. It, it the monster is what David needs it to be, and then later on, there has to be a similar but different monster. So, I wanted to create something that had the staticky feel to it, like the way that um the way that the light looks at dusk or dawn when your eyes are adjusting and things are sort of fuzzy and staticky um, or like it's a blur in the corner of your vision. I wanted it to have this texture that wasn't quite fur either, you know? Um, and I was kind of pulling on like, well, what, what animals, if it can't be a wolf, what animals freak me out? And it was like the proportions of like, a gibbon skeleton where the arms are too long and like Komodo dragons gross me out and freak me out. Like, I'm like, all right, what animals <laughs> are not wolves? Cause I like wolves. It's like, what animals are not wolves that I still wanted to keep a little bit of, you know, big teeth, big eyes, uh, wolf, big claws, you know, <laughs> like it still has yeah. to be a monster, but it shapeshifts into a smaller dog when David needs it to be a dog. Um, and so, yeah, I just, it was really like once I started inking it and I found this texture that it was basically, I made it from um, a like beat up, shredded up, like pocket brush pen. <laughs> it was like, once I found that texture, it was like the mo the monster design, the monster form really clicked for me. Cool, cool. Derbala, there's, there's a looseness to the coloring of the monsters that I think helps them, it, it makes them feel somewhat unknowable, which is always scarier when it's it's loose. It's like it could transform at any moment. Mm. Um, I think of too, at the, the very end of the book, um, when the, you know, we have the transformation into 
kind of this stark contrast of like black and green on a white background of this this final monster that they're facing off against. Mm. Um, how do you determine kind of your your palette and like your approach for these transformations? Which again, like the book is very it's very non monster based. It's very <laughs> human centered and character focused. But then when you get these moments to explore and explode with color, like what's what's your approach there? It's actually really interesting hearing Sally there because we didn't really talk about it uh, <laughs> back and forth. But I actually took a really similar approach of like this sort of static of uh, like that the monsters are this kind of like big empty space in reality nearly. So I, I kind of went for this very one color approach. So you'd see them as this, you know, solid block and, and that they would kind of seem a little out from everything else. Uh, so one is kind of mostly blue and then we later on see another monster that I I actually played around with a little bit because I knew I wanted it to be very distinctly another color and and then the red and blue made for a really nice contrast there um but yeah but similarly I actually wanted to do something with texture where they kind of like the colors bleed out from the edge of the monster um and just kind of feel like like the lights being sucked into them you know like they're kind of like pulling pulling uh your eye to this like darkness this big kind of like black hole <laughs> kind of monster yeah. Uh, and yeah and, and and this idea that it is something that could kind of shift and change but because as well because we see uh david in a few different forms during the book that it's it's a color that's only used for the monster so you can recognize that that's that's what you're seeing the whole time that like this kind of deep purple blue uh is him no matter what form he's in whether he's you know more dog-like or more snake-like or whatever um that it, it's it's very distinctive so yeah i think i took a very um graphic approach to it in that sense it was just very kind of like block colors and uh texture and kind of pops then of the the eyes and that kind of thing sure sure that makes a lot of sense uh paul as far as this story goes it's there's clearly a very personal element to it, but then it's also, I, I think your writing is very understated throughout. Um, what was the relationship like with you and in the creative team here in terms of working together to make sure that like the story has clarity, uh, even with, with less dialogue, with less exposition, with those sorts of things. Um, what was, how was that process for you? Well, it's been one of the best creative uh, partnerships I've ever been involved with, um, with this amazing team. Um, I'm, I'm, um, when you, when one is doing, writing something so very personal, um, it's actually just the best possible luck to find people who, uh, can add so much to the material and who seem to have an implicit understanding of the material. Um, so many times I found myself taking dialogue out because Sally could do it with the acting. Mm. And one of the reasons the book is so stripped down is because the acting is so great. And um, I just loved listening to uh, Sally Adervler's process there because the, the process is it's so deep for those two. There's so much going on. And um, it, it's, it was really nice to, um, you know, uh, so many times, time after time, um, put forward something quite complicated in terms of action on the page or dramatic interaction and seeing it being aced in the roughs. Um, and sometimes we did come up against a situation like that. There's one page I always talk about, which I think 
really stretch the ability of any comic artist <laughs> um, where we're at the end of an end of an issue and our heroes are looking up at a um, a poster for the first time and so they've got to be a bit surprised by what they're seeing because it's a face that's really important to one of them and she didn't expect it to be there I'm, I'm being very non-spoilery here. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't actually said to the audience what the book's about, so they're really <laughs> non-spoiled. And um, the um, uh, and they so she's got to be slightly surprised. And uh, because a lot of the book is from her point of view, we have this conceit that the world is stretched and deformed and emphasised according to her point of view. So it looks like the figure from the board is reaching out to grab her hmm. and um uh, we're in a world where one of our leads can transform into an actual monster so what we have to have on the very last page of the comic is an image which says that this is her um subjective reality um or, or, or looking at the billboard while not actually, they won't be fighting a giant man the next issue. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, wow, that took doing. And Sally <laughs> nailed it, I think, in three different roughs, was it? And we were all kind yeah. of, we were all looking I... at each other going, this is tough. <laughs> this well, is it... <laughs> it was one of those things that you get sometimes in a script where you're like, the idea that I have in my head of what I need it to be and my skill level of like what I can render. I don't know if they're in the same spot, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> and cool. so it took a couple tries to get there. But once, once we nailed it and once it was like, this looks correct, this looks right. It, it kind of felt like, Oh, I can do anything. <laughs> Not like I can get away with anything, but it's like, Oh, I can really play with this exaggeration and this blurring of, reality this is going to be on a future convention panel i thought to myself once i can get past that page of paul cordell's i can do it <laughs> oh no i didn't mean it like that i just meant like oh wow no, I, I, I actually I nailed it and i can do it now i kind of do i, kind of do. I mean I, you, you nailed it in the end because of the body language the, you, because the, their posture says uh, we are slightly taken. We are taken aback by this, but we are not about to engage in a superhero fight. <laughs> it's, uh, right? Yeah. No, that's interesting. I I love that that metaphor and that example because there is so there's uh, part of the hook of the stories. We have we have these two protagonists. We have JC and we have David. And even calling them protagonists is challenging. Uh, right? They're they're challenging protagonists because they're both immersed in these pasts that leave them kind of nothing but but shame and anger for for different reasons. Um, there's a degree in the comic of, so you have these two characters who have these kind of traumatized backgrounds, um, again, for different reasons, one of whom can turn into, can turn into a shape-shifting monster like we talked about. And there's some familiarity, I think, in comics, uh, especially like you said, like in a superhero background where you have like a Punisher-esque, you know, kind of vigilante type, type story, right? That, that revenge fantasy of sorts. Um, but the, the past of these characters, I think JC in particular, it always colors that fantasy in in darkness um there's no there's no like happy ending here <laughs> you know like potentially um and there's this there's this kind of politician like you said there's this looming evil figure who for much of the work is is literally larger than life right and, and it's only 
it, it, we kind of, I think as readers, it's intuitive that this, that's not real. It's not actually shaped that way, but visually you sort of see that like, oh, this is like a giant presence, at least from JC's POV. Um, let's, let's start with you, Paul. What, what do you hope readers see in these characters, in JC and David, kind of by the end of their journey? Um, well, what, what do you think are kind of the keys they should take? I, I, I hope they're tremendously relatable. Um, I, um, it's a book about um, past abuse and what you do with that and what you do with that anger and guilt and what you do with that. And um, both of their situations are very um, applicable to me. And I kind of wanted to make them very simple, very universal. And you're right to to mention the standard revenge fantasy plot because we don't do that um and i was very because because we are right next to that we could head out into that any moment um i really wanted to make sure we didn't um because it's so much more complicated than that and honestly i i don't think I don't think the actual business of revenge, I don't think it heals that person at all. And um, certainly uh, that's why JC's, um, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil here, mm -hmm. uh, that's why JC's initial abusive situation ends inconclusively for her mm -hmm. with no, no payoff at all. And she kind of has to bear the anger uh, for that for the rest of her life. And um, what I really like, and th I'm, this is something I do spoil, I spoil this all the time, I spoil this during the run of the book, is that we deliver the readers safely to a better place. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, that if people if people are considering picking this up and this is a, this situation is applied to them, well, I I cannot say this will not hurt, but we are not there to hurt you, and obviously it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to venture along with us. But we've we made a conscious decision. Um, there's none none of the abuses on the page. It's all implicit. It's all implied. Uh, we don't see any of those situations, and um, uh, and at the end there is there is a happy ending. They get a happy ending. They do. Um, and um, yes, closure and stuff. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I went on. No, no, that's all good, uh, Sally. Or actually, let's go to you, Dervila. As you're working <laughs> on a book like this. Um, it, you know, you're, you're the color is certainly, but you have, you know, you're, you're connecting with these pages in a level you're integrated with them, um, where you're spending a lot of time with them. What was, what was kind of your process of like, I, I guess, you know, you color a fair amount of books, like when you're working on something, when you, did you have a feel for like, oh, this is like a different kind of story or these characters stand out to me or like, what's kind of your read as you're working on the project of like where the story's going and what kind of impact it has on you. I'm always curious, you know, from a, <laughs> Comics, comics press doesn't talk about the colorist or the letterers as much, you know, a lot of times as That's they should. That's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, what, yeah. was, what was your, kind of your read on this as you were working through it and kind of where the characters were going? 
Yeah, it's cool because I like it was one of those books where I was always really excited to read this, the new scripts when I got them in and be like, oh, what's going to happen in this issue? You know, mm-hmm. so it's always kind of funny. I think working in comics, or and certainly as a as a colorist, is that sometimes you end up reading more comics in script form than uh, that in the final form. But sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was uh, like, even at the script stage, I was like gripped to find out what was going to happen. But you could, yeah, you could definitely get the feel that this was something. like a different approach to a monster story a different approach to a revenge story and just very much you know a a story of kind of uh just these two people clinging to each other and of of hope and that sort of thing and then that you know plays out into 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 the process then of 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 coloring it because i would always start with a script uh try to kind of get a feel for the the story and the emotion of it in my head and then i'll go through the pages and see how that lines up but i always like to have the pages open the script open while i have my pages open so i can kind of suss out the mood for um for that particular scene and you know what what the driving emotion is of a certain scene and how that's going to affect uh the the palettes and the choices that i'm that i'm going to do there um yeah. so yeah it was, it, was, it was a it was a really enjoyable process this book it was very like it came very naturally actually it was very kind of like soft process and very there were so many little personal touches that i really enjoyed putting into it like a lot of the the details that, that Sally put in about, you know, of like the kind of the family home and like there was like recognizable like dish, you know, dishes and that kind of thing. And so I'd really take my time kind of going in and getting the details and uh, and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it was just like a really, really enjoyable process going from script to, to, to colors. And I would kind of take my time setting up all the palettes and making sure everything was kind of uh working at that stage before then going in and, and doing the textures and everything else. And like there was really nice, um, I kind of found there were nice, little uh like happy accidents that happened like I started I, I knew I wanted to do something very textured um with it partly because because of the story itself it's very rural it's very emotional there's kind of a lot of like depth and heaviness in it so that I wanted to bring to that and it also works with with Sally's inks because uh, they're so natural that you kind of you know you want to paint along with those brush strokes but uh I was using this kind of um like fingerprint brush texture on on the uh, the pages, and then I decided to deliberately not use that on a lot of the flashback pages, which kind of you know talk about JC's mm. past and David's past. And it it took me a little while to put this this little connection together that I'd done, but I was like, oh yeah, it's like the 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 prints of their past are on their present, and so so all of the the pages that are in the present setting have this like this different texture to to what's in the past, um, which was a fun thing to work with this kind of idea that like. The things that that you you know from your past are always kind of with you in the present and influencing what you do and that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, it was it was that really that metaphor, yeah. I love right. that that metaphor came to you as you were doing it, <laughs> like it wasn't set out ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, because like, I I just picked it because it was quite a cool texture, and then I realized what I was doing. Like oh yeah, that that really that really works. But then I you know I used that deliberately. Then once I put it together, I was like okay, that's that's gonna go with me as we're going on and and try to reference you know trying to always kind of look at the flashback parts in the present story and how to tie those two together and uh yeah it's, it's really fun doing that kind of thing of trying to uh I guess link the emotional arcs through color and link kind of um the journeys that they go on um yeah it's a fun process <laughs> very cool very cool Sally what were your favorite parts of I Walk With Monsters to to put on the page um and I guess too like what as you're working on a book that is very centered on, you know, really two individuals, um, what is what is your kind of thinking in terms of connecting with those characters? And then I think, too, in terms of like delivering their own, you know, the character acting that Paul mentioned, which is extremely effective throughout this. Um, how do you kind of get how do you get in their headspace? And then how do you make sure you're selling that on the page? Um, 
so I, th I think my two favorite parts of I Walk With Monsters with drawing it are two, like, wildly different ends of the spectrum, which is, like, one, I love drawing the big monster. <laughs> I love drawing a big monster. What can I tell you? Like, I, you know, I liked drawing that sort of the getting to draw the monster. And um, I think on the complete other end of the spectrum, I liked being able to draw quiet moments and thinking about how to pace out a quiet moment for maximum impact um, through layout, through body language, through how near or far from the character are we seeing them. Um, so I think those two are the wildly different ends of the spectrum that I enjoyed the most. Um, yeah. And uh, what was the other part of the question? Um, <laughs> The, the character acting of the of JC and David, kind of how do you how yeah. do you find yourselves getting in the space of of knowing them and kind of what they'd be doing? Yeah, I think um, getting into the headspace for JC was a little easier than um, David. You know, just being a young woman, <laughs> relatively <laughs> young. <laughs> um, you know, and how do I portray her perception of things? You know, because it's I'm trying I'm not just portraying what is literally there sometimes I am portraying her version of things how things get distorted in memory how things get distorted when you dissociate how do things get distorted by trauma um how how do like when we look at things from our childhood you know maybe you remember a person or a place being much bigger than it was versus what it actually is when you go back to it as an adult. Um, so it's blending that distortion of memory with a world that exists and with memory. Um, as for the character acting, I mean, I just, I wanted to show that JC's body language is always very close. She's very protecting herself and David as well, having this body language of these two characters that are trying to slip through the world unnoticed and not take up space, you know, out of self-preservation and that they're a little bit close to each other as well. They don't, they don't touch, they don't embrace until the end of the book, you know, <laughs> they're, they're two characters that are like deeply emotionally connected, but do not, do not share it with each other, you know? And it's a form of protection. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Paul, one thing you talked about a lot as you talk through this story is, you know, given the the trauma in these characters past, JC in particular, and kind of the the illusions without the explicit portrayal of what it was that that family actually went through and actually experienced and what, you know, happened to her brother. It's, it's left to interpretation, I think, I think wisely. Um, was there, and you mentioned how personal it was, kind of getting some of this trauma out there and having a book like this is there now that it's done is there a feeling of catharsis of relief um that you did that or is it like when you look back is it still almost like frightening to have been that open well, <laughs> with it, the story it, it is a little um yeah all of my own kind of inner rules and restrictions of of how i live my life are still in place it's not as if one catharsis can, you know, change. I I was 
actually kind of I, this sounds ridiculous i know but i was kind of like come on issue five come out issue five issue five is out <laughs> oh that's it that's great and, and it it, it's a ridiculous childish way to put it, but I was like, issue five is out and I'm still alive and it's out there in the world. So my job mm -hmm. here is kind of done. My best thing mm -hmm. is written. It is, I finally got to tell the truth. And um, the, um, the truth having been told, I'm still the same person. And, um, you know, the... I, I, I'm most pleased with what others have said um, in terms of uh, somebody I know uh, mentioned um, that there's a scene uh, involving a gravy boat and an accidental spillage and the huge anger which um, is directed at JC as a result of that as being very um, much something that that person recognised. And, um, you know, it's tiny things like that. It's moments connecting with people that I is most please me. Um, and I'm kind of trying very hard not to make the rest of my career a footnote. I'm, I'm sort of like, wow, um, okay. So I've, I've now told that story twice in two different ways because my novel Chalk is also about it from a very different point of view. Mm. And um, but this was this was really getting it done, and uh, yeah, um, I have always said that um, this is kind of the only way I'm going to tell the story. I I should say, um, uh, talking about a comic book and saying stuff like this, my parents were both brilliant and lovely people. Um, and uh, that's all I'll say. Um, they, they um, you know, uh, that um, none of this is about them. Um, yeah. And they're both dead now, but uh, that's, I don't ever want to be on a panel at a Comic Con talking about what it, what it is about. But, um, right. you know, but I do feel able to say what it's not about. Um, and, um, yeah, so that's that's that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I the other two get to go really into these wonderful, wonderful depths. I love hearing about the process with it. But uh, with me, it's like um, I opened a vein and some a keyboard kind of got in the way and uh, one of the things I really liked was that Adrian the editor at Vault um, the very first conversations me and him had were about ethics yeah. were about you know whether or not we had the right to tell this story and um, uh, you know we had a big wrestle about why can you what why is why can you tell this story and I don't think his conscience was fully settled until that scene in issue two with the cupboard um, when he, I think that's when he came to when we see what Jace's Jace's future would have been, mm. um, the thing that was denied her, the press clippings of space, and um, the um, uh, that was absolutely the right thing. And how many comics companies can you say that they come at you with ethics? 
<laughs> that's not something you have to force out of them like like a sponge. <laughs> that's the, where they come from. Yeah. I'll always, I'll will always always be indebted to the vault for this. And, that's interesting. Yeah. I was going to ask about the relationship with Vault because I have I've been struck in interviews with that I've read of yours and also with other creators just kind of the the involvement of, you know, an editor like Adrian and, and working with this company that is very much up and coming. They've they very much established a, a really quality reputation um, in a span of a few short years of of really having, you know, just like like they're incredible creators they're working with, but also just like having their back and really working with them in terms of finding the best version of this story. Um, Sally, was this something when you were coming onto the work, were you those conversations about ethics? Because there are touchy subjects in this, right? There are difficult conversations to have about, you know, individuals trauma and, and to Paul's question, right? That's a really hard question. It's like, who has the right to tell the story? Were these reservations you had? Were these things that, you know, you two were having these conversations? Um, what was, what was your approach? Well, like, like um, Paul said, Adrian and Paul are very upfront about like, this is the content of the book. This is how we're approaching it. We're not showing anything explicitly. You know, I could tell from my first conversations with them that they were to the best of their effort going to approach this as gently and sensitive, sensitively as possible. Um, you know, I mean, I, th I think as a woman or as anyone who's not a straight cis white man in comics, you always have a little bit of fear and reservation meeting a new team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I got a sense from Adrian and Paul just right up front that they wanted to tell the best story possible and that they wanted to do it in a way that was gentle. You know, obviously, like I'm drawing big monsters and guts and bones and stuff, but, you know, the actual, like, the real traumatizing, scary parts of it, I could tell that they took it seriously. They were not in it to tell something shocking and gross. You know, there's sort of when you, like, look at trauma, it's like, are you... There's ways to deal with telling stories about trauma, especially couching in a fiction that are not based on <laughs> sensationalism. I think that's the word that I was looking for. They were not looking for something that was like a sensate, something that was based in sensationalism. They wanted to tell a story genuinely and empathetically for the characters and that the characters yep. themselves were not perfect, pure people. <laughs> They're just really just trying their best <laughs> with whatever background they have. Yeah. There's a there's a first issue, draft first draft of the first issue where Adrian's notes are all whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> because he, he doesn't quite know where I'm coming from. Yeah. And like um so that very first scene, it's like I just put put what happens on the page without kind of context. And mm. so um, he said he he basically was trying to work out what my motivations were, and um, so like initially I added to the to the description of the 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 serial killer holding up the scalpel in in an early panel, it's the scalpel brackets, which is the least important thing in this panel, 
and that I think convinced him. You know that that, that we're not we're not going to have a point. Of, I love the word Sally just used, gentle, because that's kind of I, I, that had never occurred to me. But that's kind of what this is that we we take a gentle point of view, and um, I think he it, Adrian was very concerned that our point of view might have been a very nineties comics point of view, and of, of course, as soon as Sally arrived, that's out the window. Thank goodness, <laughs> but. <laughs> um, uh, I had to prove myself to Adrian. I had to prove my credentials, which was quite an emotionally emotionally de- demanding process. But it's absolutely right that I had to do so. Hmm. I had to tell I had to tell him some some things that were true. How did you get started, Paul? Um, it, I guess two parts to this. How did you know this was a story you wanted to tell, even as a comic? Um, you know, there were there were other avenues you could have gone. Um, and then, how did you? get connected with Vault in terms of, and Adrian, in terms of like that being the house for it? Um, well, I'd written it up initially as a sort of fairly traditional werewolf yard. And every time I rewrote it, it got more and more non-werewolfy and more mm. and more non-generic. And I I, um, I didn't attend San Diego Comic-Con a year before anybody else didn't attend San Diego Comic-Con because my gallbladder exploded the year before the pandemic. <laughs> Oh, and, I mean, not literally exploded. I say that. That's but anyway. Um, and uh, so I, w- I didn't go, but uh, my agent went, and she set up a, a lot of connections. And I had all the meetings I would have had at the, the Comic Con by phone, and one of those was the Vault. And we kept talking, and Adrian nearly went for something that's completely different, and actually was just kind of flippant fun, but then he did a kind of 360, went, no, no, let's do the tough one. And I'm so pleased he did. Hmm. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Sally, Durbla, you you both have a new Vault Horror series that was just announced yesterday. Uh, it's going to be yeah. Human Remains with, with writer Pierre Milligan. Uh, again, that was just announced by Vault. The day before we're recording this, and I'm very excited, I know a lot of people are as well, Coming uh, again later in 2021, uh, Durbel. Let's start with you. What um, what can you tell us about what's coming in that work, and what do you think uh, the experience working on "I Walk with Monsters" with Sally already kind of does to shape how you're going to approach like another horror series, essentially? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I uh, I'm immediately trying to take a different approach to this book um, mm. than to the previous one. So I'm I'm currently working on the first issue, so I'm still kind of sussing it out a little bit but uh and like I think there's when you when you start on a book there's always kind of like a first issue of trying to like feel it out and feel out you know the mood and feel out the kind of the textures and that kind of thing and that'll kind of set up for the rest so that's a re- that's a really fun part of the process that's what I'm doing right now um but it's really fun working working on Sally's Inks again because uh so obviously I've colored her a lot now so I've, I I have like an approach already but I wanted to try something very different so um I'm kind of carrying over one or two of my brushes from from my walk with monsters that I know work well with with her inks, but I'm trying to take a very different approach to to the textures on this because the mood is quite different. It's a it's a very different kind of horror um, with very different kinds of monsters, <laughs> and uh, uh, so I'm uh, yeah I'm actually taking a very different approach. Um, which uh, I don't think Sally has actually seen much of yet. So we're going to see how that works out. Um, I've I've seen one page and I love it. It's perfect. I'm so glad. (laughs) I have a second page to show actually, but um, yeah, it's, it's funny kind of bouncing off of the other book because I, 
I know that some of this approach is based on wanting it to be different. Um, so I walk with monsters, but also I, I like trying new things with new books. So it's, you know, it's the kind of the little bit of challenge there and, uh, and inform, but it's really, it's really fun doing, um, doing a new thing with a familiar artist. Cause you kind of, like, I know, uh, like I, I have kind of, you know, um, like a good kind of safe way to work on, on Sally's. I mean, I say safe, I was still being, you know, I still tried new things on, on I Walk With Monsters, but I'm kind of experimenting a bit more this time and pushing mm. the textures a bit further and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, a little kind of, a little more surreal in places I'm going to try. So we'll see, yeah, it should be interesting. An interesting book. Cool. <laughs> yeah. cool. Sally, uh, how's the how's the early going on, on Human Remains going for you? And uh, what is... Yeah, I guess kind of same question. You know, what is what is new for you? What are you changing up, if anything? And uh, what what can readers expect? I mean, first of all, I'm like absolutely stunned that I, that I get to work on a book with Peter Milligan. <laughs> I mean, when yeah. I was working on I Walk with Monsters, going back and looking at his run on Shade of the Changing Man was a very big influence on how I approached mm -hmm. that sort of distortions of reality and depicting like vast expanses of rural America. Um, but yeah, I, it's a very different book. I walk with monsters is so centered on just two characters or, you know, three or four characters. It's the small world in this vast space and then drawing human remains. I'm drawing really a global book. Like I'm looking at alleys in Italy. I'm looking at Malaysia. I'm looking at Germany I'm looking at like my old street in Philadelphia like it's just such a bigger world to draw which is both exciting and terrifying because <laughs> there's a lot of things that you could screw up if you don't draw it correctly <laughs> you know and you're drawing something global there's thing like there's universal truths within specificity um mm -hmm. So it's, I get to draw a big monster again, um, which is, you know, one of my favorite parts. And the whole plot of the story is that expressing emotions attracts these monsters and it's dangerous. So once again, I'm playing with like having to focus on what expressions are suppressed, what expressions are shown, how do these characters react to this new world where they have to deal with their emotions in different ways than they may have normally dealt with it and that their emotions are now dangerous and endanger the people around them. It's, it's a monster story, you know? <laughs> it's in the vein of things like narratively, like if you've watched um, Black Summer on Netflix, where it's all these little threads that come together so it's it's just this much bigger world that I'm excited and terrified and having a great time drawing. <laughs> and awesome. I, you know, I think, yeah, it's also color wise, very different. I think um, I Walk With Monsters is very autumnal sunset colors, reds and browns. Yeah. And then this is just like, you're drawing these brightly colored fabrics. You're drawing these bright summer days, these just this whole different world than um, I Walk With Monsters. So I'm really excited to see what Derva does. I love the way that she colors my work. I love the amount of texture and depth that she puts in 
to the line art that I give her. <laughs> I think it's going to be really, really fun because like so far the color is um, it's a very like it's very explosive and there's a lot of different color going on. Um, I think it's going to be really fun down the line to see how that interplays with the emotion um, because I like, you know, I like doing a lot of uh, coloring in a very expressive way and, and that's, you know, going to be part of the, the fabric of this book. So perfect. Yeah, no, it sounds awesome. Uh, Paul, how how prepared are you to get confused with Peter Milligan for the next uh, six to eight months? <laughs> ah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, actually, Pete, Peter's an uh, old hero of mine. I've, I've been influenced by him way, way back. Uh, Shade the Changing Man was huge for me as well. And yeah. um, I, I'm delighted that um, these two get to work with, with him, that... Um, you know, uh, when I, I heard that Sally was working with Peter Milligan, I, I actually could see the influence. I thought, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, I'm delighted for them. And uh, I, I hope I hope the three of us get to work together again, because, you know, we, there's there's got to be another horror book for us. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that Adrian can, you know, still afford uh sally and Dervler. <laughs> I, I i told you i want to do i want to do space horror i want to do alien space let's horror. do it yeah let's <laughs> absolutely. Do space absolutely but because because um, these two are you know immensely skilled and i think stardom beckons and um so uh yeah um we, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> basically, that. Uh, basically, okay. that. Well, it, in, what else? What else is on uh, your radar? What's What's next for you? Well, um, I've finished up uh, the Modern Frankenstein with Emma Vicelli and the Bo- Bolands, and um, the third issue of that is out tomorrow as we speak, the twenty third mm-hmm. of June. Um, and I've got three other creator-owned comics that haven't been announced yet. Um, oh. Probably they're coming out to announce this year um, from three different uh, publishers. So that's delightful. Um, I started writing the final one of those just last week. Um, they all exercise different muscles for me. And um, some of them, uh, I think, going to surprise people a lot. Um, I don't just do one genre. I do all sorts of things and to, to the detriment of my career, Dave. I, I, I think that um, <laughs> had I got into one particular track and so people knew what they would expect, I'd have done so much better. But but I digress. <laughs> um, I um, Yeah, so there's lots of that. And... Uh, yeah. Um, have you have you gotten any? Do you get any attention or any um kind of a uh, feelers about Black Widow with the movie approaching? Because you wrote that Deadly Origin mini that I think a lot of readers are turning to. Like that's going to be on a lot of you know best Black Widow comics to read. Do you have any feel for uh, influence on the film, or just are there things you're hoping to see even in there, well, having spent some time with the character? Well, the, the white costume is down to me, so I'm quite pleased about that popping up yeah. in the trailers. And um, I, 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 they may they may touch on some of it. it. It's the way of Marvel that once you've contributed, you've contributed. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the movie. Um, I hope that you know uh, that I will suddenly leap up in my seat and go, "That's me! That's me! I did that!" <laughs> and the audience will yeah. turn and look at me and go. Oh, can we have him removed, please? And, uh, <laughs> and that's how I got thrown out of the premiere. And mm-hmm. um, but, but anyway, 
So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm awaiting to to see it. And uh, yeah, I love having been part of the Marvel universe. It's so nice. Yeah, yeah, awesome. No, very cool. That was your uh, your Captain Britain work was the first time I was aware of you as a creator, and I, I quite love that series. And uh, and the the use of Dracula in that is uh, is phenomenal. That's that's a fun one. <laughs> very pleased with that. Yeah, yeah, as as you should be, uh, Sally. What's what's next for you in addition to Human Remains? Uh, is there anything you can talk about? Want to plug? Um, I know you have uh, Final Girls came out this year as well through Comicsology uh, Comicsology Originals, which I think people should check out too. But anything else uh, on your radar? Um, no, as of right now, this is actually one of the first times in my life where I've at least in the last couple of years where I've cut back and not been working on five things at once. Um, But yeah, definitely if you enjoyed some of the themes in I Walk With Monsters, um, the final girls has some similar uh, themes and feelings about justice and revenge as I Walk With Monsters. I actually drew the final girls before (laughs) I drew (laughs) I Walk With Monsters, but it somehow came out after Oh, I guess because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Schedules um, are crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, go check out the final girls on comiXology. I believe if you have a comiXology subscription with membership, whatever it is, you can read mm-hmm. it for free. Um, I think it's out as a trade, so you don't have to buy every issue individually. Um, yeah. Katie West was an amazing editor to work with Kara was an amazing writer. Uh, Gab Matreris is an extremely talented colorist. Uh, Jeanette Gill did an amazing job with lettering. I, I'm missing people, but yeah, I'm extremely proud of that book and the group of, that I got to work with. <laughs> and I'm extremely proud yeah. of I Walk With Monsters, too. Oh, Perfect. thank you. <laughs> Gerbla, what, uh, what else do you have coming up that people should know about or places uh, you'd want them to check out your work? Uh, let's see. I, uh, so I'm wrapping up a graphic novel at the minute with Eric Gapster called Sword of Super, which is like a kid's superhero story. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's out, I think, is it later this year or early next year? But it's, uh, it's a great one. Um, definitely the biggest thing I've colored to date. Uh, wow. and I've just, I think my last issue of Red Sonia actually came out today or came out, uh, it comes out tomorrow, sorry. Um, which, uh, yeah, it's the, that's 28 issues of that I colored. So that was quite a quite a few. And I just wrote a 10-page Red Sonia story uh, that's going to be in the Black, White, and Red series uh, coming out later this summer. Nice. Yeah, so that's being drawn by Sue Lee, which is very exciting. Because uh, that'll be my kind of writing debut, I guess. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. How how different was that experience for you after coloring twenty eight issues uh, of the character? Was that uh, yeah? It was interesting. <laughs> totally, totally. Because I I don't like write very much, so it took me a lot longer <laughs> to do. But it was it was really fun though. Because I I mean I've read so many scripts at this point that I like I'm quite familiar with at least the current iteration of the characters. So it was quite easy to get into her head that way. Uh, and then I. I created uh, a little a little kid character that she uh that she kind of reluctantly has to take care of who was somewhat based on my niece who is uh obsessed with comics and always telling stories so <laughs> i kind of put a bit of her in there um, although my housemate read it read the the script and said that the kid character actually reminded them of me so <laughs> maybe i just put myself in there um but yeah it was cool it was, it was a lot of fun getting to getting to flex a different muscle all right yeah and i was still thinking of it in terms of color very much even though it's a red black and white story but um that was kind of in my mind as I was as I was writing it 
Sure, sure. Oh, very cool. No, I look forward to that. Um, awesome. Yeah, I definitely recommend people check out I Walk With Monsters again. We'll include links and all that fun stuff in the show notes. But uh, yeah, Paul, Sally, Durbla, thanks so much for joining and uh, and talking about the book. It was a pleasure talking to all of you. Thank you so much. Thank, yeah, you. thank you for having us on.